Welcome again to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray and myself, Andrew Morris. It's our 20-minute weekly conversation between the intersection of life and faith. If you've got a question, you can email us, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. G'day, David. G'day, Andrew. I think we've got some more questions, and um, let's get stuck into them. We certainly do. Uh, this week, David, we're going to be asking the question, did Jesus have a sense of humour? Will raising children in a godly way ensure they follow Jesus? But first... Our question is, David, how can a God of love send people to hell? Uh, I guess the short answer to that, Andrew, is that he doesn't. And that might sound a bit strange uh, or a bit direct. But in fact, God, put it this way, God is actually offering each one of us heaven. That's his basic stance. Uh, That's his default mode, if you like. Um, But if we choose to reject the offer, then he honours our choice. So it's not as if God is saying, right, you go to hell, you go to heaven. He's not saying that. He's saying, come to heaven, come to heaven, come to heaven. But if people say, no, I don't want anything to do with you, God, thank you very much. Well, God says, oh, well, heaven wouldn't be much good for you. In fact, heaven would be hellish for people who don't want anything to do with God because heaven is full of God. So what God is doing is not saying, you go to hell, you go to heaven. He's saying, come to heaven, everyone, but look, I'm not going to force you. If you uh, choose to have nothing to do with me, well, then uh, uh, I honour your choice. And uh, that's God honouring our freedom. So he's not sending people to hell. The doors of hell, as C.S. Lewis once famously said, are locked on the inside. We've actually put ourselves there. So basically, David, you're saying that, uh, I mean, as we read in the Bible, Jesus died for everyone. And he he, he gives us an open invitation to accept the fact that he died for us all. Yes, that's right. Uh, the, the the offer is there. And uh, if we choose not to accept it, well, we can't blame God for it. You see, some people have this idea, Andrew, of God just waiting to pounce on us and punish us. Um, he's not doing that. He's actually, the Bible tells us that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Um, but people are condemned, as the, the Gospel of John says, because they refuse to accept what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. So, again, if they have an eternity away from God, well, then uh, it's their choice. So, God is not some ledger keeper who's putting some people in heaven and some people in hell. He's rather saying, I've sent Jesus to die for you all. Will you accept the offer or not? If you will, heaven awaits you. If not, I'm sorry, but heaven is not for you. A common question, I guess, is but, but I'm a good person. You know, I, I've done good things in the church. I've fed the poor, I've done this, I'm a good person. Isn't that enough to get me into heaven? Well, well, again, no, it's not. But we've got to be careful here. I mean, many, many people, Christian and otherwise, do many good things. Uh, and no way in the world would I want to say that only Christians do good things. Human beings are made in the image and likeness of God, so they're all capable of doing good and do good. Um, a, a doctor who operates on me and heals my medical condition uh, does good for me, whether or not he's a Christian or not. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter there. So yes, 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 we do do good things, and it is right to do good things, and God is pleased that people do good things. But the problem is, the entry level into heaven, as it were, is 100% goodness because God is 100% good. To allow a 99% good person into heaven would be actually to contaminate heaven. It wouldn't be heaven anymore. So you've got to get 100% good to get to heaven. There's only one person who was 100% good. That's Jesus. So the only way we get to heaven is not by relying on our imperfect goodness, but relying on Jesus' perfect goodness. So if someone says to me, 
am I good enough to get to heaven? I'd say, no, only trusting in the perfect goodness of Jesus will get you to heaven, irrespective of your very real and genuine goodness here on earth. It's not good enough. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray and Andrew Morris. If you've got a question on life and faith, please send us an email. It's lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Our second question today, David, is, is it true that if we raise our children in a godly way that we can be sure they grow up to follow Jesus? I wish that were universally true, Andrew, but it is an incredibly common problem in amongst Christian people in churches that that they find it painfully not to be so. You see, there's a verse in Proverbs that suggests it is, train up a child in the way he should go and afterwards he will not depart from it. And you might say, well, isn't that proverb true? Well, yes, like all proverbs, it's got a general truth to it. But it is a general truth or principle. It may not always work out because that same book of Proverbs actually speak of unruly children and ungrateful children. It doesn't always work out that way. You see, the problem is if we say that if I only do certain things by my children, they will turn out a certain way is to deny their capacity for free decision making. They have to choose a faith. We can't force our kids to be Christians. It's their decision. So even though the book of Proverbs might suggest that, yes, it will always work out that way, sad experience, very, very common widespread experience in the church suggests it is a general principle, but it is not always so. Yes, we can see. I mean, a lot of pastor's kids uh, have that Mm. same, you know, the pastor's kids grow up in the church uh, and they, they, yeah, free will. They choose to go whatever avenue and path that they lead. Uh, I'm sure we've all seen that. Dave, what's some practical, yeah, it's heartbreaking to see your kids maybe not follow the same faith that you have. Practical tips as a parent of children who maybe don't want to follow your faith or who are struggling What do you suggest would be some practical tips? Well, one thing you don't do is to try to force a faith on them uh, because that just invites further rebellion. Uh, Trying to um, shove a faith down a child's throat is only to invite later rebellion. Uh, So you can't uh, do that. Nor should we fall into a a trap of saying, well, well, I I reject you or, or don't even love you until you embrace the faith. I mean, it's one of the tough jobs of parenting or for us, and just as a tough job that God has, of loving people who actually don't go his way. And we've got to learn to love our children in that way. If they don't go our way, if they don't embrace our faith, well, we've got to go on loving and accepting them for who they are, even though we long for them perhaps to turn to our faith. But no, we don't impose faith on them. We don't cause them to feel terribly guilty. Look at all we've done for you. Look at all the effort and the money we've spent on you sending you to the best church or Christian schools and all this sort of thing. And how dare you repay us like that? Well, I'm sorry, you know, that's not the deal of parenthood. Um, it's not a, a reward system there. So we don't, we, we, we don't in play the guilt game or forcing faith down the throat game. We go on loving and accepting them. And there's another, another point we've got to be careful of here, Andrew, too, that some people think that their kids have actually deserted the faith when all they've done is to embrace the faith in a different way. Uh, someone might not follow our particular tradition, our particular way of expressing the faith. What we've got to do in that case is to say, well, well, yes, you, 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 you perhaps have embraced the Christian faith or following Jesus in a rather a different way with different emphases. 
ultimately, you and I can't judge where our children are spiritually. We really can't. Some people who may appear to be Christians at church every week and going to Bible study groups every week, they may not be. Then again, there's some people who may seem to have wandered off into the far country and not really having much to do with God, yet might somehow inside have a deep connection with him through Jesus. We really can't judge. So that's another thing. Don't judge. Don't form conclusions because we're not in this position to be able to do it. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray, and we're moving on to our final question for this episode. And it's a, it's an interesting one. We often see the Bible as a, as a book of rules and of stories, but maybe not of humour. The question is, did Jesus have a sense of humour? It seems he was pretty serious. Well, Andrew, I think we can assume that Jesus had a sense of humour. And the why I say that is because Christians see Jesus as the perfect human being. He's the epitome, the model of what human beings are supposed to be like. Um, so it'd be strange if there was no humour in it. Um, so I can assume just simply on logical grounds that, um, yes, he had a sense of humour. However, people might say, well, why don't we see more of it? Well, the fact was he was on a serious mission and he lived a challenging life. So we can't expect him to be a stand-up comedian. I mean, life was too serious and too challenging for him for that. And also, the Gospels focus on his mission. They, they don't give us all the details of his life. We don't know anything about his adolescent years. We don't know a lot about uh, his personal life because the Gospels are narrowly focused. So we can't expect them to record each and every bit of dialogue that Jesus had. But we can assume he did have a sense of humour. So, David, what's, what are some classic examples of, of Jesus with his tongue in his cheek, if you like? Well, one example could be when he uh, talked about rich people going to heaven. It's, it's, um, it's um, easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Um, he, was, he was making a joke. It was a joke. It, it was a funny exaggeration. Elsewhere, talking about the Pharisees and their hypocrisy, he said they swallow camels and strain gnats. Um, you can imagine him having a smile on his face as he did that and his disciples laughing as he said it. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was having a bit of a dig at the Pharisees. Um, he, he, even when he's, his point about uh, if you've got enough uh, mustard seed faith, you can move a mountain. I, again, I think Jesus is, is making a, a humorous yet, yet at the same time serious point. And also, um, Jesus was very much at parties and celebrations, weddings and so on. I can't imagine him going around all po-faced and serious all the time. I'm sure there was light-hearted banter and conversation when he blessed the children. Um, I can't imagine, again, Jesus sitting down there, all very serious folks saying, suffer the little children to come unto me and all this sort of thing. I imagine that Jesus, as the perfect human being, would have had a big grin, a big smile on his face and welcomed the children and um, uh, smiled upon them. So, so I think these are examples or little glimpses of the fact that he would have had um, a sense of humour. Remember, the Gospels only record a fraction of his life. They focus on a particular aspect of his life. And so, therefore, they might not include all the dialogues he had. But I think we can assume, not only from the glimpses of recorded in the Gospels there, but also from just the very fact that he was a perfect human being, that he had a sense of humour. David, thanks for joining us again for LifeWords Q&A. I look forward to speaking to you next week when we look at the issues of... Is it right to go up to a stranger and talk to them about Jesus, that, and a number of other questions? If you've got one yourself, please email us anytime during the week, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Thank you.